Hi, this is James Governor, co-founder of Redmonk, and we're here today for another conversation with Redmonk. Joining me today, I have Holly Cummins, Senior Principal Software Engineer at Red Hat. And we've got a great, great topic, uh, which is really about software and sustainability. So welcome, Holly. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, no, it's absolutely my pleasure. I think this is a really, really important issue. Uh, I think when we're talking about sustainability, when we're talking about carbon and so on, um, I don't know, sometimes it's easy to get so scared about the bigger picture uh, that, that it prevents us from, from really focusing on in on some of the actions that we can take um, as individuals, but also organizations. I think that as a whole, as a, as a, as a culture, uh, we focus rather too much on, on, you know, don't use plastic straws, uh, which, which really pushes it to the individual level and that level of carbon footprint. But we work for companies and organizations, and hopefully um, there are some things that we can do uh, to improve the situation. So what's your take, uh, Holly, on, um, well, again, in fact, maybe I should say a bit more about what, so what is it exactly that you do at Red Hat? So I'm a senior principal software engineer and I'm in the Quarkus team. So um, my role is to help build Quarkus. And in particular, I, I look at the um, the Quarkus ecosystem. And by that, we don't mean the environment and the climate. We mean the, the extensions and that kind of thing. But I also have an interest in the broader ecosystem issue. Okay. And so, uh, yeah, if we, if we think about um, some of these questions around the, 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 digital, the digital world and, and how much power we're actually consuming in, in building digital services, on, on the face of it, I always think, hang on, if it's, if it's digital, we're, we're probably, we don't have such a big carbon footprint, but that's not true, is it? It's not. And I think going back to what you were saying about the individual actions and the organizational actions, I think that actually puts us in a really sort of lucky position because as individuals, we can look and go, oh, it's all hopeless. And, but actually because of the industry we're in, we have a lot more power than we maybe realize. Um, so the sort of the, the digital world overall, um, it's almost like a seventh continent in terms of its power usage. So there's about 4% of the energy consumption of the world is for digital things. Um, so to sort of put that in context, it's about three times the energy consumption of all of the UK, where, where you and I are. And then if you sort of narrow that down to data centers, rather than, you know, the sort of all the devices and everything, it's still, it's about maybe one to 3% of the energy consumption of the world. So comparable to flying. So that means we're the ones who are writing the things that are running in those data centers. So if we change what we do, if we change how we manage them, if we change how we write them, we can change that power consumption in a, quite a significant way. Okay, well, that's that That feels, um, yeah, I mean, there's obviously a lot we can do in automation. I think some of this is, is just the classic, um, you know, walking around the house, turning the lights off, uh, you know, people, people turn a light on, they leave the room, um, people leave their, their, well, <clears throat> I mean, I guess that's digital. I've got, I, I, I've got a, a teenage son. He's got two massive monitors and, and he'll just happily leave the house, uh, leaving all of that power on. It, it's quite a human thing to do that. But is that, is that sort of part of uh, the major challenges we have um, is just, you know, systems that are running that shouldn't be? Yeah, completely. And I think that's one of those ones where it's actually it's 
like turning the light off. It's such an easy win. No one's, unless someone's in the room, you know, no one's going to suffer because you turned the light switch off. It's just that sort of habit of, hey, as I leave the room, let's turn turn the light off. And, and what we're seeing is there's sort of, there is a little bit of a, a hurdle there. So often the way we used to write applications, they did not cope with being turned off. So there was a downside to turning it off, which is you turn it off and it may come up again. It, it may not come up again. It may need right. an army of engineers right. to work for a week. So we sort of, we do need to make that, that change to make things more able to cope with being turned off. But when we do, the savings are potentially really significant. I was talking to a, a client the other week and they they worked out that you know they're in just one time zone and they had some applications that are only used in business hours so two thirds of the time right. it's using power it's not used they had other applications that were just batch jobs that were just running overnight again on their dedicated hardware mm -hmm. and so they those really needed to be run with serverless or something to be spun up but it was just that sort of institutional organizational jump to go from bad things are going to happen if we turn this off to that light switch ops mode of turn it off when we're not using it turn right. it on when we are using it well i mean I, you know i think that we've 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 as an industry thought or, or you know more nines is better um you don't want to turn anything mm. on uh that, mm. that, that that you know 24 7 365 um that's that's very much uh sort of what it thinks its job is so it's mm. quite a mindset shift to say well actually that may not always be the case um but obviously there are huge opportunities there is some of that around uh, you know, people talking about like serverless now and scaling to zero. Obviously, you're sort of engineering work in and around Quarkus. Is is some of that so that we can move to a more serverless way of thinking, especially for example, for those batch jobs? Definitely, I think serverless is part of the picture, but I think we probably want to be looking at it in a slightly more holistic way of just thinking about the elasticity. So. Some workloads will be really well served by serverless. Mm -hmm. Other workloads, maybe actually it doesn't, serverless isn't the right programming model. It, you know, it's just not right for whatever yep. reason, but that doesn't mean that we abandon elasticity. It just means that we maybe manage it in a different way, but we still want to be able to, instead of having like all the nines, have the right nines and be able to have it going up and down as, as in, to respond to the, our actual requirements, not our sort of simplest set of if it stays up all the time then it won't get fired requirements okay okay and i mean i think one of the the from my perspective when i look at this we're in um there are a couple of different approaches thinking uh, about this we've had we've got this this uh and you know we've got the green software federation so thinking about it as a software problem um we've got the hyperscalers saying just put it in the cloud and then it will be green um now obviously uh there's there's uh there are lots of different regions in the hyperscalers. And let's just say it's a lot greener in Stockholm than it is in Virginia. Um, but but the, 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 the hyperscalers, the cloud companies, they just put it all in the cloud and then you'll be more efficient. Um, but I guess the, the, the truth here is, is um, A, there are going to continue to be on-prem workloads, as you've said. And, and, and the fact is that it's neither a systems cloud. It's, it's not just a, a software or a cloud. It's a systems problem that we need need to be thinking of more broadly. Yeah, definitely. So, so with with the cloud part, I think I think it definitely is true that um, there's this measure which is PUE. So that's mm -hmm. how much power do you put into the computer or into the 
infrastructure into the the whole setup compared to how much compute do you do and that is a much more favorable ratio in the cloud so definitely you know the hyperscalers they can do things you know so microsoft at one point um they had a prototype of a data center that was running underwater so that it got this kind of free cooling and and, you know there's all sorts of clever things that can be done just with the economies of scale but no matter no matter what kind of data center it's running in there's still this sort of question of the the hardware itself still has embodied carbon even yep. if it's running in Stockholm. So that's something that we need to think about. The even the electricity, you know, wind turbines, they they cost money to build. There is there is embodied carbon in those wind turbines. So no matter where it's running, we do want to be trying to reduce it. And that's a that's a, a double win. So it's partly about saving the world and reducing the carbon, but it's also about reducing the costs. I saw um I saw a study recently and they looked at how much um, cloud workload wasn't actually doing anything useful. Mm-hmm. And they work, the, this, this, the number that they came up with was last year, there was $26 billion worth of cloud bills, which is also cloud energy and cloud carbon. That was just completely value-free. So why, why would we? Six billion. That sounds like an, that sounds like an opportunity for Quinny Pig right there. <laughs> it, it, it totally is. Yeah, and, and there's sort of another metric, which is that you know, thirty percent of the servers are zombies. They're not doing any useful work. So like, okay. why wouldn't you, you know, do the graft to find them and turn them off? Right. And and so to your point, this isn't just about serverless. This could be VMs. This could be containers. It's not all the infrastructure we're running. Um, you know, really getting a sense of where the workloads are, when we need to run them. Uh, mm-hmm. It doesn't need to be 24-7, certainly for, for batch. Um, so there's the, you've got a sort of a framework, haven't you, for thinking about what are the aspects, what are the aspects that we should uh, consider when we're thinking about the, the, the power consumption of the systems that we're running? Yeah, there's sort of, um, you can look at things like the green software principles, and there's there's eight of those. And I find that kind of hard to hold all eight in my head at once. So I like to think of it in terms of elasticity. So that's what we've been talking about. Can I bring it up? Can I bring it down? Because otherwise, it's probably going to be some of the time not contributing. And then utilization is quite closely related, because the higher I can, if I can bring it up and bring it down, then I can get higher density in my systems. So for example, containers have a, tend to have a much higher utilization than virtual machines. With a virtual machine, a whole bunch of the capacity of the system isn't being used. And then with both of those, they sort of feed into the third one, which is utility. Is is, is this actually useful, mm-hmm. this, this application that I'm running, this spare, you know, unused capacity in my virtual machine, yep. or could should i just use it for something else and then so much of it is is waste which is where the sort of the the utility i think that's comes. part of the problem is 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 quite often nobody knows that you know we we yeah. know we don't we, we feel like we don't want to switch it off we don't have as much ownership um or, or yeah we don't because it, there, it, there isn't that link between the product owner and the infrastructure supporting the product but that's that's so that that's a, a whole question here um about what we we switch off and i think that's uh an interesting one because yeah we talk about day two operations um we talk about keeping the lights on um but but you know at the risk of of well i mean at least in my personal case this isn't try not to be too gendered about this grumpy dad syndrome i am the one that walks around the house turning off the lights and (laughs) telling the kids that they need to you know 
turn the lights off. It could be, it could be a parent, could be one of the kids, actually. Um, there are some wonderful children out there that will will go and, and complain that their parents have, have, have left the lights on, I'm sure. But so it, it, it's not about it's not about keeping the lights on. It's about um, it's about turning them off. And what so uh, I think you coined the term light switch ops. Yeah, just that that would. And there's sort of two parts to it. One is making it as easy as turning a light on and mm -hmm. off. So there's the sort of the the speed of like, does it come up instantly? And the, does it actually reliably come up? Or, you know, you'd never turn a light switch off if it only came up half the time. And then the other one is the actual act of doing it and having that automation in place to help us see what we should be turning off and help us turn it off without having to do the sort of the, the big effort of like stamping around the house going, you left this one on, you left this one on. Oh, if it was automated, it would be so great. It would be it. My it would be a game changer for me. I'd be so lazy. I wouldn't get half the steps in during the day. But it would be, it would be, it would be amazing. So let's talk a bit. Let's let's nerd out a little bit here then, because we're talking in your case from an engineering perspective. You know, we talk about the very macro sort of view from a you know Holly Cummins in her day job. Um, what what is it that you're what is it you're building? What's relevant? What's what's Quarkus? Why should we care what's that what you know is java part of this world can it be part of this world of sustainability what's the what's the linkage there so there's sort of i think two parts one um one goes back to the to the light switch ops um traditionally java hasn't really been a good fit in that world mm -hmm. um you know because java has very much not been like a light switch you turn it off and then you turn it back on and sometime later it comes yeah. up um and and what we've done with quarkus um is building on graal vm we now have a java framework that comes up pretty much instantaneously i did um i did some benchmarking against actual light bulbs and it comes up significantly okay. faster than an led light bulb oh that's amazing so, okay it, it, yeah it's, it's sort of you know the, so the it's the old world of job where you turn the light switch on in the morning so that you can have the lights on in the evening this is okay. <laughs> yeah exactly turn the light on go make a cup of tea come back yeah. and it might be on um but more more generally um quarkus are sort of a, the strap line is supersonic subatomic java and so what we mean by that is it's really really fast and it's really really small and so intuitively we thought well you know we all should be thinking about sustainability if it's really fast and really small, surely that that means it uses less carbon. But we didn't actually have the data to to confirm that. And sometimes, you know, sometimes things are counterintuitive. So um, what I've been doing is I've been trying to pull together some measurements and bits of research to see, to see well, is it actually more efficient, and and if so, how much more efficient. And we're going to be getting to that exciting efficiency and looking at those charts in the next exciting episode of this series. Because me and Holly have said to ourselves, look, let's 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 set some context. Let's look at the the the, the, the graphs as well. So there's going to be a follow up, which you want to watch as well. Um, but just in in summary uh, for this show, Holly, I think that 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 look, there's still a sort of a why. If there is a call to action um, for an individual, for an organisation, what are some of the drivers for actually? So you've talked about cost. Um, mm. uh, that, that's that's you know that cost management certainly in a in the sort of the economy that we're facing now doesn't go out of fashion. But what are some of the other things? I mean, is is this partly about uh, compliance to some of your ESG stuff? Why why should an organisation be 
getting a handle on their workloads, their IT workloads, and their 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 their, their legacy and production workloads in in this sort of way. What and 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 you know what what yeah why and then what what is the call to action? Yeah, so so the why is kind of all of the above that you said, plus plus a few other things. I, I, I um, I'm a big fan of Project Drawdown, and and what they look at is climate solutions. So okay. doing the research to say, here's what we need to be doing. Here's how much it will help. And one of the things that they've observed is that a lot of the climate solutions are what they call no regret solutions. So that it's not like, you know, I deprive myself of this and, you know, I really would love that, but in order to save the world, I won't. It's, yeah. I do this thing and I make everything, I, you know, I, I reduce my carbon footprint. Oh, and I'm also better off. And we see that with, um, with so many of the technology related um, climate actions. So for example, we talked a little bit earlier about hosting in Virginia versus um, hosting, you know, in Stockholm. And for example, if you host in Finland, compared to hosting in London, Finland has 43% less carbon footprint and it's 15% cheaper. So then it's kind of, <laughs> you know, it's a double win. And so why wouldn't you do that? And similarly with turning off your workloads, you're saving a ton of cloud costs and you're also doing this good climate action. And, and there's, that has the sort of the, the more, general altruistic benefit, but then there's also a business benefit because increasingly consumers at both the business level and the individual level, yep. we're, we all really want to be reducing our carbon footprint and we want to be reducing the carbon footprint of the things that we consume. So if you can demonstrate that you have a lower carbon footprint, that's a commercial advantage. So again, it's this sort of triple win of I've lowered my costs and I've given myself a commercial advantage and I've saved the world. But what have the Romans ever done for us? Yeah. No, that's what... <laughs> yeah. So, okay, that that's great. Um, I, you know, for me, I think part of the call to action is yeah, put more pressure on on the vendors, on the providers of technology. Yeah. Um, uh, the the more they hear about this, the more they're excited they're going to be. The more they're going to focus, you know, on on those customer requirements. Uh, so whether they be uh the 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 software suppliers that you rely on, like Red Hat, um, whether they be a hyperscalers, definitely this is a great thing to keep prodding um amazon and 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 google and microsoft about they can all do better than they are they're all making uh, extravagant claims about efficiency but they can all do better um and, and get a hold of your own workloads so yeah um great i'm looking forward to the next show thanks for joining me holly and thanks all of you we'd love to know what you think and we'd we'd really love to sort of get some feedback um this is an important issue and we need to make some noise about it so once again holly mm -hmm. thanks for joining us and that's a Redmond conversation.